The sermon text is the Gospel of St. John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him everything was made, and without him not one thing was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. The light is shining in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as an eyewitness to testify about the light so that everyone would believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The real light that shines on everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to what was his own, yet his own people did not accept him. But to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. They were born, not of blood or of the desire of the flesh or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. We have seen his glory, the glory he has as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him. He cried out, This was the one I spoke about when I said, The one coming after me outranks me because he existed before me. For out of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only begotten Son, who is close to the Father's side, has made him known. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Like the thorough writer that he is, St. John begins his Gospel in the beginning. This is where St. John begins his Gospel, because this is what where the story of God interacting with the human race begins. Before God started creating, there was no time, no thing, no one for God to interact with. He was there, but no one else. But then God made a beginning by starting to create. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so when God made the beginning, by beginning his creation, the word was already there. Not only was the word there, but the word was with God and the word was God. Later, St. John will clearly identify this word as Jesus Christ. And so St. John begins his gospel by clearly identifying Jesus Christ as the eternal God who is not only with God in the beginning, but is God from the beginning and who created this entire universe. And that is already very clear from what St. John has written. He could have stopped there, but just to make sure we don't miss it, the Holy Spirit inspired him to go the extra mile and say it again. He was with God in the beginning. Through him everything was made, and without him not one thing was made that has been made. St. John calls Jesus by this name, the Word, because words reveal things. 
Words take ideas and concepts that are hidden inside of a person's brain and words unroll them so that people on the outside can understand and perceive what was inside that person's mind. Now there are very smart people who say that almost all of the communication we do with each other as human beings is done without words. Almost all communication is done just with our faces and our bodies. And that may be true, but if you want to express an idea that is a little bit complicated or intricate, you still need words. For example, you can communicate with me just with your body. You could say to me, I'm bored. Or I can communicate to you with my face. I can say, I'm happy, or I think that's funny. But try communicating something like this without words. You are a sinful human being, and because you are, you deserve nothing from God. You have nothing coming from Him other than eternal condemnation. But God loves you, and God loves this whole world. And so God sent His Son for you and for the whole world. He sent His Son to bless with joy and with eternal life everyone who believes that Jesus lived died, and lives again for them. Try communicating that with your face or your body. You can't do it. You need words. And so God sent the word, Jesus Christ, into this world. And Jesus, the word, came, and he taught about God. He preached about the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus lived a life that was perfectly free from sin for us. He suffered a horribly violent death on the cross during which his heavenly father abandoned Jesus to hell in our place. Jesus lived out that holy life. He died that sacrificial death on the cross for us to take all of our sins away. And then Jesus rose from the grave triumphant on Easter morning to assure us that his saving work was effective. And this preaching and teaching this holy life, this death and resurrection, it is God's word, his communication to us. It tells us your sins are forgiven, you are right with God, and you have life with him forever in heaven. In other words, Jesus the word comes to communicate to us that we have life in him. In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of mankind. Jesus comes into the world as the Word, proclaiming life in Him. And when Jesus the Word proclaims life in Himself, that life is light, it scatters darkness. The Word speaks, the light of Jesus' life shines into an unbelieving human heart, and the darkness scatters. Now, before that word speaks to a heart, before the light of Jesus' life shines, there is nothing but darkness in that human heart. There is the darkness of sin left unforgiven by unbelief. There is the darkness of fear about what might be coming to that person when he faces God's judgment. There is this, this dark delusion that somehow this imperfect person has to make amends with God for what he has done wrong. It's all darkness, pure darkness, leading directly to eternal darkness. But then the word speaks into that person's heart. 
the life of Jesus' light shines into that heart and says, your sins are forgiven fully and freely. And far from being afraid of what's going to happen to you after you die, you can now look forward to it and embrace it. And in the meantime, as long as you live in this world, you can rest easy, knowing that everything that needs to be done to save you has been accomplished by God's Son. The Word speaks. The life shines into that heart. The darkness scatters, and there is faith, saving faith in Jesus Christ. And yet, sadly, that does not happen in every human heart. There is still so much of the darkness of unbelief in this world, so much fear and uncertainty about what comes next, and still this dark idea that somehow sinful people have to work their way back to God. There is a lot of it in this world. And yet, not all the unbelieving darkness in this world can overcome the light of Jesus' life. John says the light is shining in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Does it ever seem to you as though the darkness of unbelief is overcoming the light of Christ in this world? After all, there is so much darkness, so much unbelief, and the light of Christ's life can be very hard to find sometimes in this world. And yet, you know what? Here we are, baptized children of God, worshiping Jesus Christ on Christmas morning. Are there millions of us here? No, but there are some, and there are millions of us all around the world, and each individual one is proof positive the darkness has not overcome the light. And it never will. Jesus promises that the light of his life will shine into human hearts until Jesus returns on the last day. That word of Christ's salvation, that light of his life, will shine through his people like you and me. So now St. John gives us one clear example of a person, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, shining the light of Christ, proclaiming the word of Jesus' salvation. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as an eyewitness to testify about the light so that everyone would believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. John the Baptist was not the light. He was not the word, but he proclaimed it. He shined the light of Christ as he wore camel's hair and lived off of locusts and wild honey out in the wilderness. The good news is you don't have to dress like that, and you don't have to survive on that kind of diet. This is not about what we wear or what we eat. This really isn't anything about us, our power, our style, our charisma. It's Jesus. He is the word. He is the light. His people simply speak him and shine his light into the hearts of the people around them. Shine the light of Christ into the hearts of the people around you because he has come for everyone. There is no human heart that is beyond hope because Jesus is real divine light. He comes to forgive every sin and to bring what was dark into the light. The real light that shines on everyone was coming into the world. Now, here is a story that you may find kind of hard to believe. Once there was a man who came home on Christmas. Actually, to call it his home 
is an understatement. It was his home in the sense that he lived there, his wife lived there, his sons and daughters lived there. But it wasn't just his home because he lived there and his people lived there. It was also his home in the sense that he built it himself. See, this is like a real throwback frontiersman. I mean, he laid out the plans, he brought in the materials, and he constructed this building with his own two hands. So it was his home, very literally. And then on Christmas, he came back, and they opened the door, the door that for Pete's sake, he himself hung on the hinges. They opened the door, looked him in the eye, and said, we don't know who you are. We're not your people. Well, that is a true story. It's sort of a parable, but it is a true story. Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not recognize him. He came to what was his own, yet his own people did not accept him. You see, this is the sad irony of Jesus' arrival in this world on Christmas. He made this world. Remember, he is the word who was there in the beginning. Through him all things were made. He constructed the world. And he made the human race that he came to dwell with. And not only that, Jesus came to his own family, his own chosen nation. And he was turned away. But then St. John quickly adds, but to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. They were born, not of blood or of the desire of the flesh or of a husband's will, but born of God. So his own did not receive him. But now, St. John, who has this wonderful little habit of circling back to important points that he has already made, he reminds us of what he told us before, that into some hearts the word speaks, the light shines, and the darkness of unbelief scatters. And those hearts do receive him. And that, of course, includes your heart and mine. So, is there any room for us to take pride in the fact that we are among those who did receive him. Not really, because why have we received him? Is it because our hearts were easier for that word to enter? Is it because our hearts were more receptive to the word of Christ? Or maybe there was some kind of low level of light already in our hearts that made it easier for the light of Christ to shine in? Not at all. Listen to how John pictures this. He gave those who believe the right to become children of God. They were born, not of blood or of the desire of the flesh or of a husband's will, but born of God. So John pictures this word entering our hearts, this light of Christ's life shining. He pictures this as a birth. So let's consider this. How much say did you have in your physical birth? Did anybody ask you where you wanted to be born or when in history you wanted to be born? Did anybody ask for your advice on who your parents should be or how much wealth you should be born into? Of course not. We had no say in our physical birth at all. And when the word of Christ is spoken to our hearts, when the light of his life shines, it is all God doing the work to scatter the darkness. It is his birth that makes us children of God. And so we are born of God. He has given us the right to become children of God. By God's work, we are his children through faith in Jesus.
And being a child in God's family brings with it a whole lot of beautiful blessings. Being a child in God's family, being born of God, means that you can go to Him with anything you need, anything you want, anytime, anywhere, and you know not only is your Heavenly Father going to listen to your prayers, but He loves to hear you speak to Him. And because you are His beloved child in Christ, you know that God is going to answer you every time and He is always only going to give you what He knows is best for you. Being a child in God's family comes with the privilege of listening to your Father speak to you. And that is a privilege and a joy for God's children because He speaks to us the word of salvation in Christ. Being one of God's children means you have an inheritance waiting for you. Waiting for you in heaven is an inheritance that goes way beyond your wildest imagination. Being a child of God has blessings that run deep and long, and they are ours because God has given us the birth of faith and we are his children forever. And now, St. John circles back again. You know, if you're ever reading anything that St. John writes, whether it's the gospel or his letters or the revelation, and you're wondering to yourself, hmm, I wonder what's really important here. All you have to do is keep reading. He'll tell you by coming back to it. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. We have seen his glory, the glory he has as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. On Christmas, that eternal word, Jesus Christ, takes on human flesh and dwells among us. And so on Christmas night, when the Virgin Mary wraps her baby boy up and sets him in a manger, she is not just setting down a child, she is laying down a word, a message from God to us. And that message is full of truth. Everything that we hear Jesus say in this world, everything that we watch him do is divine truth and it is full of grace. Listen to what Jesus preaches and teaches. Watch the perfect life that he lives for you. Watch him lay it down for you on the cross and pick it up again on Easter because it is all a message from God's heart to your ear, and it is full of truth. That in Jesus Christ, God is full of grace for you. You have it in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the word, the message that Jesus comes to deliver you. God is full of grace, undeserved love for you and me. And now St. John is at it again. One more time, he circles back, this time to Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. John testified about him. He cried out, This was the one I spoke about when I said, The one coming after me outranks me, because he existed before me. Now let's think about this a minute. If Jesus was conceived after his cousin John the Baptist, and he was, and if Jesus was born after his cousin John the Baptist, and he was, then why does John the Baptist say that Jesus existed before him? What truth is St. John circling back around to here? Just as he said in the opening verses of this gospel, Jesus is the eternal word. He is God himself. You see, this is our confidence, that when Jesus the word delivers to us the message of God's grace, he is telling us the truth, because that message is coming from God himself.
Out of his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. If it were not for Jesus, the word, there would still be a lot of things that you and I could know about God pretty clearly. Even if you didn't have Jesus, the word, you could figure out that God is powerful and wise and generally kind. These are things you can learn about God by taking a walk through the woods or sitting in a boat on a lake at sunrise or watching the harvest come in in the fall. Even without Jesus, the word, you could tell that God has a standard of right and wrong. You can tell that from the conscience that God has planted inside of us. And even without Jesus, you could know that God cares when you do the right thing and you do the wrong thing. You can tell that from the fact that your conscience congratulates you for doing the right thing and it scolds you for doing the wrong thing. And even without Jesus, the word, you could tell pretty clearly that we've got some big problems in this world. You could tell that there is a problem between us and God. You can tell that from the fact that there's a lot of really horrible stuff that happens in this world, including the fact that people die. So in summary, if you don't have Jesus, if you don't have the word, you can still know that God is strong and smart and kind. You can know that he cares about right and wrong and that for the things we've done wrong, we've got problems. But without Jesus, without the word, you can never know the full truth of God. And what was missing? What was left out of all those things that I just said? God's grace. Without Jesus, you can never know that God loves you. That he takes your sins away and gives you heaven as his gift. In order to know that, you need the word to tell you. God is full of grace. Grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only begotten Son who is close to the Father's side has made him known. Jesus has come to know, make the truth of God's grace known to you. Without him, you never would. But now you do. Because on Christmas, the word becomes flesh and lives with us. Merry Christmas. Amen.